This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Three Lions podcast. My name's Russell Osborne. Thanks for the reaction to the last podcast. Seems quite a while ago now. Hopefully I've not kept you waiting too long for this one. England Football Online can be found at, well, englandfootballonline.com. Glenn Isherwood and Chris Goodwin do a magnificent job over there. If you've not heard it yet, threelionspodcast.com. You'll find it there. Episode 43. Give your ears a treat. Now, coming up on this episode, we chat with Cam Melling, who runs the website EnglishPlayersAbroad.com. We'll chat with him very soon. Now, what else has been going on? Of course, the countdown is on for next month's games. Of course, we start our Euro 2020 qualifying campaign at home to the Czech Republic, then away to Montenegro. It would appear at the time of recording that due to the redevelopment of the ground in Podgorica, we are looking at a low allocation of tickets, which is disappointing. I'd imagine by the time this is released, we'll have more of an idea. If you've applied, as I have, I hope you get lucky, as Daft Punk once said. The Lionesses are in World Cup action later this year, and they have announced four friendlies in the lead up to this. Now, they face Canada on the 5th of April at Manchester City's Academy Stadium, Spain at Swindon's County Ground on the 9th of April, Denmark on the 25th of May at Warsaw, and then finally New Zealand on the 1st of June at Brighton's Amex. Tickets are all well-priced at £10 for adults and a pound for concessions, fa.com for those. Now, that World Cup starts on the 9th of June, But before all of that, the annual She Believes Cup starts on the 27th of February when we face Brazil, then the USA on the 2nd of March and Japan on the 5th. Now the end of January, beginning of February, saw the England futsal team through to the next stage of the Futsal World Cup qualifying after finishing runners-up to Latvia in Group A after we beat Gibraltar 4-1 and Cyprus 5-4, although we lost to Latvia 3-1. We have now been drawn in Group 4, where Italy are the hosts, alongside Hungary and Belarus. This round of matches takes place between the 22nd and 27th of October, later this year, where the top two teams will qualify for the elite round and playoffs. If you've not seen anything or don't even know what futsal is, then I strongly suggest you give it a quick Google and then head over to YouTube. In recent days, we've also seen Declan Rice, West Ham's defender, come midfielder, switch his allegiances to England after representing Ireland three times in three friendlies. Despite being born in London, he was able to play in green as his grandparents were from Cork in Ireland. March last year, he made his debut for them against Turkey. Now, FIFA rules state that as long as you haven't played a competitive match, i.e. qualifier or tournament games, then you're still free to change nationality. 
In August of last year, England apparently approached him and he was subsequently left out of Martin O'Neill's squad that was due to face Wales at the time. Now, I've never really been sure about how I feel about this rule. I'm English. My parents are English. Their parents are English. And as far as I'm aware, and so on. I could, or would, only play for England, given the chance. So I've never been in the position where someone has the opportunity to choose. Should the decision be restricted only by your place of birth, or your parents' birth? I've always thought that going back to involving your grandparents is a little bit too far back, as it were. In recent times, Wilfred Zaha has been a player that changed his allegiances at our expense, I might add on that one, played twice for us in friendlies and decided to opt for the Ivory Coast. Other notable world players who have been in similar situations include Diego Costa, Thiago Motta. Anyhow, as yet, he hasn't been selected by England and, and has stated on Twitter, that he isn't taking a call-up for granted. But I'm sure Gareth Southgate has been immensely happy by the news. And if he does play, plays well, helps us progress as a nation, and helps us lift a trophy, who's going to remember the three island games he played? And of course, I'm sure you heard the sad news regarding Gordon Banks. We'll pay our own tribute to him towards the end of the show, and also to Fred Pickering, who also passed away. Jimmy Greaves, Luther Blissett, Jonathan Woodgate, Chris Waddle, Des Walker, Les Ferdinand, Paul Gascoigne, all had spells abroad, something I'm sure was an education both on and off the pitch. wasn't just them, though. Of course, there are plenty of other players playing their trade overseas, away from our shores. And someone who, great to speak to, is Cam Melling. He is the author, I guess is the, the right word. Yeah. For it. Author, is that right? Yeah, I do it all by myself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cam Melling, EnglishPlayersAbroad.com is the website. Welcome along. <laughs> Cheers for having me. Hey, you're more than welcome. Been waiting t- to pick up with you and, and speak about this website. Give us a, a brief synopsis of what English Players Abroad is. Okay, so basically it's a website that um, basically has interviews with players who play abroad, English, all English players that play outside the UK. But it also has a Twitter account to go with it as well, which puts all the latest news like transfers and goals and videos like that. So yeah, just that sort of thing really. How long has this website been going? My first year of university was 2014. That's when I started it. Then it went quiet for like four years. And then last year I was back on it, posting like every day nearly. What was your inspiration for doing it? What, what made you think, yeah, I should know what I'm going to do. I'm going to set a website up following pretty much every English player overseas. Yeah, I'm not really sure. It's always been a topic interesting to me. Some of the names you mentioned before, obviously... I was, I was pretty young when Gascoigne was about, but I remember seeing him at the Everton training ground once and it was the Lazio thing. My university project was it had to be a, a blog that you post regularly on for like a couple of months. I just chose this as a subject and that's how it started really. I started as a university project, it's kind of from the outside in. And now where it's grown, I'm actually kind of working in kind of English abroad as well with agents helping players move abroad. Are you really? So, yeah, so I've, yeah, I've got a bit of spare time at the moment, so I'm... Working with an agent who specialised in taking players abroad, he's taking players from Cambodia, most of Scandinavia, America, that sort of thing, and 
he comes to me saying, oh, I need some ice, I need something for Sweden. And I advertise it on my Twitter and uh, send him the player details. Wow. Yeah. Not wanting to be too personal, you're getting a, uh, a percentage on this? Uh, well, yeah, the, uh, once my, I haven't s- sorted that actual guaranteed deal, but there are, is a contract in place for me to get percentage, yes. <laughs> Fair play, well done. I mean, was this, was this what you anticipated doing? No, I never really ever imagined it like morphing to this sort of thing. It's just like the way it went from me, just like everyone doing me a favour to me, like players come to me wanting their profile to be raised. I just uh, always be delighted if uh, I can help a player move abroad. So it'd be great to be part of that. We, uh, yeah, to be so, so amazed and ready to be involved in actually and not just writing about it. Yeah, no, without a doubt. No, that's that's superb. So it's, uh, yeah, what, four, four or five years old, did you say? Yeah, yeah, but it's only really probably kicked off this uh, 2018 onwards, really. I mean, I've been looking at the website, and it is, in all honesty, a, a real labour of love. If you haven't seen this website, it is EnglishPlayersAbroad.com. Various interviews, English players in action, also concentrate on the women's football, which is, of course, a growing scene on that front, the women going abroad. Interviews, how, how do you go in about getting interviews with these players that are abroad? It started off with just like, I would just follow them on Twitter, they would follow me back and then I could just DM a few questions and or email them and get like an article from that. As it's kind of grown this year, some agents have contacted me or I've contacted the agents and got to like MLS players or like higher level verified players because it kind of works two ways. So as it's built up, it kind of gets them exposure, whereas they're not doing me as a favour as much as it used to be. Yeah. I see the the latest one you've got there on February the 13th, Guy Bates player that is uh, i've read that he was was he over in newcastle yes so he was at newcastle united and left to go to newcastle jets in America, in australia in australia that was it yes and um yeah and then had a good yeah he did well um belgium and then although i don't usually write about players who play in the uk after he left belgium he ended up being like a legend won the league with Drada in ireland won a cup with Geneva in northern ireland so that's a bit different that one but yeah i couldn't really avoid that as a big part of his career yeah. So who's the biggest, most glamorous player that you've you've come across and been able to, to speak with? Um, well, the most well-known one is Liam Ridgewell, but I didn't really go to plan. It was more of a, his own clothing brand, and he just wanted, he didn't really have to answer that detailed question. So everyone knows Liam Ridgewell is, but mm. it wasn't his, my favourite one was probably um, Jack Jack Price, who plays in uh, plays in MLS for Colorado. He just left Wolves, so obviously he's championship, good championship player, moved to Colorado, and um yeah, that was one of the biggest ones I had, really. He's got a lot of followers. He's playing, played against Rooney a couple of days after I talked to him, so that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Obviously, you're speaking to a lot of these players uh, that are going abroad, and there, there must be so many benefits of playing abroad. What have you picked up on from speaking to these players? What's it like for them? Yeah, I think but for a lot of them, it's like, it's, like a, it's like a reborn. It's taken to a whole new level. They've gone from being amateur and not having a contract at all in the UK to playing in front of big crowds abroad, which they can never, ever achieve at home. Obviously, Ostersund in Sweden played Arsenal in the Europa League last year, so they got quite a lot of media coverage. But you know, Jamie Hopkirk, Curtis Edwards were playing like York City or lower, even non-league. And That's right. Now playing Europa League, professional, top level, obviously lots of fans. Yeah, so definitely sort of a step up. It's not easy to break in high levels, I feel, abroad. Would you say some of them go to put themselves in the shop window? I guess they can slightly like the way they don't some players do go low level then they can play just for the new market if they're playing youth football in England they don't have much senior football they need some games on their record playing lower league and abroad is such a good way to get some records 
mm. go and um so another example was last year they had the two players two youngsters so ex Newcastle youngster ex Preston Rovers youngster in England moved to Sweden sixth or seventh division so very much lower than the level but it was the local town of Sven Gronelson and Sven okay Sven lived in that town at Torsby and um so it's a team he played for when he was younger so they went to this lower level smash goals are fun but it was. On the they know Sven would look after them, so hopefully something goes on from that now because he helped Sven Sven's team get promoted, and they're hoping to progress now from that. Oh wow! I mean, it's always good to have have contacts like that when going yeah. abroad. <laughs> yes, I mean, there's there's an ideal link to to going to England. Talk, talking about England players abroad, that you must sort of be aware of some players that you think, wow, he's he's capable of of doing well and maybe coming back or being noticed by the under-21s team or the senior team? Anyone that, that stands out for you? Yeah, well, a player, a player I do like, he's he's known from Leicester to Louvain in uh, Leicester, in Belgium, sorry, so Leicester's sister team in Belgium. Right. Uh, they were managed by Nigel Pearson, but he's just been sacked. They've got George Hurst up front from Sheffield Wednesday, who obviously plays under-20s, I think. Mm. They also have Elliot Moore, a centre-back, who has played under-20s before, but he's, this is his second season now, he's captaining them. In the Belgian second division, he's he's actually a top scorer, or second top scorer. You know, he's a centre back, and oh, really? Really, he's really yeah, they're not having a great season, but he's got five or six goals. He's really leading them from the back now. I feel like he could have a big impact if he comes back to Leicester, maybe a championship loan move in the future. Yeah, okay, and uh, obviously we've got Jaden Sancho, who I'm sure we'll speak speak about very soon. But anyone else that's that's capable of coming onto the, the senior team? Yeah, it have to be. Obviously, his best friend Reese Nelson at Hoffenheim, and his goals to minute ratio this year for Hoffenheim has been insane. And obviously, he's picked up that form in England 21 as well. So, hopefully, Emil Smith Rowe and Open Arsenal at Leipzig now can get some game time as well. Yeah. Germany, uh, would I be right in thinking that that is the place to go, or is it just coincidence that we've got three fairly high play, high profile players that I'm aware of playing there? Yeah, obviously, it's Reese Oxford as well. He's just come in. To Augsburg, back-to-back clean sheets after not playing for West Ham all season. Seemed to be, like, not be worried about age at all. Obviously, you go to Germany, like Lookman last year from Everton, came mm. in, goals, assists. They don't seem to worry about age at all. Whatever the age will get him. Like, Smith Rowe has been guaranteed first team minutes apparently. Whereas Arsenal, he couldn't get looking in the league. He only played Europa League. So yeah, I don't know what it is, but Germany just don't seem to look at age as a number. They seem to be good enough for play. Yeah, Jaden Sancho is is playing for fun over at Dortmund at the moment. Can't stop scoring. Obviously, got into the the England side back end of last year. What's, what's the reaction to Jaden Sancho over in in Germany and in Dortmund? Yeah, it was quite in, obviously he was interested in transfer at the time, summer twenty seventeen. It hadn't played a single senior match, and he's gone for ten million. So obviously, he knew he had potential at the time. And at first, he seemed like the old cameo end of last season. The old cameo, you think, oh, it's not bad, like impact style, but young player, bit for a bit of pace. But now he's starting every single game. Need fourteen, fifteen goal involvements this year, and. He's just a guaranteed starter now. They're not looking at it as like an impact person now. He's not like a, a novelty. He's one of their star players, even though he's only 18. It's just, yeah, it's incredible the impact he's had. Obviously, it's some of his old mates from, uh, from London, to where he grew up, have uh, seen what he's done. Yeah, and Jaden Sancho and Reese Nelson came head-to-head, I think it was, was it last weekend or the weekend before when yeah, Dortmund was, played for Fenheim? Yeah, last weekend, free all draw. Dortmund uh, free him up and then drew free all in the end. And as you mentioned as well, ML Smith-Rowe, going to Leipzig as part of the perhaps the, the end of the transfer window that that must be a, a strange time for English players to to go abroad so quickly how the the transfer window works yeah obviously deadline day move Leipzig had been putting out feelers at the end of December for him 
I'm not sure why it took so long. They contacted some of his former like friends in London to see what they were saying. And that was in the December, so it took a month to come through. He's injured at the moment. I hope he's he does well. Um, it's like a win-win situation, really. Like you should get more first-team minutes. Obviously, he's a prospect Arsenal Arsenal rating highly. So even if he doesn't do that well, he's known he still has a future at Arsenal. But he's got a great chance to put himself on the, the world stage. And we've got the the MLS as well. Is it Bradley Wright Phillips is is still over there, isn't he? Yeah, obviously he's actually a legend for New York Red Bulls. He's got over 100 goals. I miss always hit 100 goals over there. He's just taking his career to a whole new level. Outscored at Henri when he Henri was back there. Um, yeah, he's just done so well over there. <laughs> it's, it's great to see. So would it would it be fair to say that maybe Germany or America are favoured places for English players to go? Yeah, well, at obviously US comes quite a few people come for the college system and they can progress into professional. Uh, Germany, if you're good, obviously Bundesliga teams don't care about age, but Sweden is uh, probably the where the most of the players are, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, oh, so I was going to say Sweden, there's like a education, it's called the LFE, League Football Education. You take release players, put them on like an Erasmus exchange programme to Sweden. They get three or four months to play in the third or fourth tier, and if they're impressed, they can need professional deals. Oh, I see. But yeah, the Sweden, yeah, a lot of players in Sweden. Last year in the fourth tier in Sweden, there was 20, 30, 40 players maybe in that division through the sort of Erasmus sort of scheme. All from England? Yeah, the one team specifically called Yotagos had an English manager or English coaching staff for about 10 English players. They just missed that promotion to third tier. So, well, there's certainly plenty of uh, plenty of teams to keep eyes on here. And, and with the with the passing of Gordon Banks uh, in the last few days, what is it just outfield players that we tend to see go abroad? Or are there any goalkeepers overseas? Well, yeah, actually my first ever interview, before even the blog has started, it's for a different website. A guy called Matt Jones was playing Portuguese first first division, second division. Okay. Um, so he, youngster from England, I think he was Stoke maybe, West Bromwich younger, and then he moved to America University and then built a good career in uh, in Portugal, playing for Belenenses and a few other teams around there. Um, yeah, he's my first ever interview. Um, and then another inter- goalkeeper, Guy called Matt Kafer moved to Gibraltar. I mean, now Gibraltar International uh, right. since they changed their since they changed their eligibility rules. Into like three years, so he's now yeah international playing in the Nations League. Wow. Another goalkeeper, yeah. And the the women's side of things, do you find there's a, a difference between the the English men and the English women playing abroad? Yeah, I would have said a few years ago, or maybe even a couple of years ago, to be fair, because you think the American women's league is so much more watched than ours. It was a great place for English women to go. Get the twenty thousand fans watching that league per game. But and then obviously, the, obviously you got two England sashes at Leon, the best team women's team in the world. But no, now I see English men are kind of copying them as well. And also the women's Super League in England now is now a free professional. So that didn't need to be the case. They don't need to go abroad as much now. I see. Yeah, of course we've got Tony Duggan over in in Barcelona, part of the Lionesses. Um, she's obviously a big big deal over there as well. Oh uh, yeah, well yeah, she's got a lot of followers, a lot of big brand deals, that sort of thing, and scores scores a lot of goals definitely. And it was, it was definitely obviously she was a star player in the women's super league, but kind of kind of meeting Messi at training quite often and sort of profile that the Barcelona team have. Anyone who's a Barcelona has a huge profile. It's a move that she couldn't really turn down and doing well for her. Is the is the Spanish women's league as as good or as big as the English women's? Well, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I know the top few teams at like Barcelona are really good. I'm not sure how that's... Cause they, they do kind of 
thrash teams in that division. I'm not sure how good it kind of level kind of spreads out between the teams. There were two English people playing for Malaga at the start of the season as well. Right. How many players have you pretty much covered? Do you know? So like a ballpark figure? I started writing again last April, so there's been at least 100 exclusive interviews with different players since then. Are you speaking to them like this, or, or is it just all written emails and that sort of thing? Do you have yeah, to wait most... up until whatever time at night? <laughs> uh, no, most, it is mostly through like WhatsApp or email. Um, I used to do a lot of writing at work as well, my work breaks and stuff. So I could have the text in front of me, it was so much easier. I know that feeling phone. of doing yeah. things at work. <laughs> like, our agents seem to prefer to talk on phone. Uh, some like older players, but yeah, mostly it's a free tech, so I can just uh, have it right in front of me to write whenever. Yeah. And what's the what's the most random place you know of an Englishman playing abroad? One of the good, one of the good ones is uh, Dave Molly, former Liverpool youth player, England seventeen striker, went to Wolves, got injured, and ended up in playing in the Maldives. Nice. So it was a, it was just for the Asian equivalent of the Europa League, basically. He only oh. played those games. Apparently, he had loads of he got, he was playing big crowds, and there's lots of uh, when he came to training, there was a lot of people watching. They were so intrigued by an English player <laughs> training mm. at the uh, in at Maldive, club, and he's since played in Estonia as well. Wow, it's, no, it's sort of thing that I guess we'd all love to uh, to experience. We'd all love to play in the uh, in the Premier League if we could, but uh, I guess yeah, going abroad, I think it'd be a be a real insight. Do you do you hear of any players talking about? The language barrier or the food? Yeah, so I had, there's, um, end of last year, three English players went to a team in the third or fourth division in Croatia. But unfortunately, now they've all come back because they weren't getting paid in time. The accommodation was apparently terrible and the food was apparently a disgrace with what they were being offered in their deal. So unfortunately, all three of them, like two of them are two ex Newcastle youth players, like paid high level Newcastle under 18s. They've had to come back now and it's not been the promise that they've uh, been offered. So does it make you feel for players from overseas coming over to hear that they may may experience? Quite hard for hard for uh, some foreigner coming over here compared because if a foreigner's coming over here, we we've been notoriously quite lazy with our language, aren't we? Mm. Going abroad, like, you can usually quite have, like English, like a few people might know the English, especially in Sweden, pretty much everyone seems to know it. But coming over would be quite tricky. One player said that he felt abroad felt a lot less hostile with a new player coming in they felt quite welcome for a new player. Whereas sometimes you felt in England, he goes to a new team and they're quite hostile. They think, oh, he's going to try to steal my position, that sort of thing. He, he didn't experience that abroad. Interesting insight into it, how, they, uh, how it's done abroad, like turning up on first day of training, I guess. Mm. Yeah, he's, he was so he's very welcome. He's very happy with that. Anything else that you'd want to mention? The article I'm just in the middle of writing at the moment is about a guy called Jay Clark who moved to Spain with his family and he's three years old and he's a... Uh, but he said he believes he's the youngest yeah, at 19 and he thinks he's the youngest person ever to get your way for a pro license coaching badge uh so he's 19 he plays four in spanish football club, but he's also got the pro license coaching but obviously in england that costs a lot more and he costs him about 1500 euros and it's more about you need like 500 hours but in england it costs like tens of thousands of pounds there's only a few hundred people that have it in england and spain there's a couple of thousand people that have it i guess with you, you speak to players have you thought about managers as well yeah, there's one, one or two managers I have. This, the old India manager, Stephen Constantine. Um, he's just left India, actually, but he's got a great book out. He's got to he's amazing. But a couple of years ago, I had a few uh, messages with him. And he's just done, he's just done wonders. And uh, he's managed like all over Africa, Asia, 
after starting off in America, and he's just done wonders in India. Really shot him up new rankings, and yeah, it's, it's good to hear from him. Um, really, he's actually some his book. I really recommend his book, Stephen Constantine. Is uh, some of the things he had to go through in Africa. Some of the politics were just incredible. Oh, I'll uh, I'll seek that one out. Cam, thank you very much uh, for taking your time there. The the website is EnglishPlayersAbroad.com. You mentioned Twitter. What's, what is your Twitter handle if people are open to to following and chatting to you? At EnglishAbroad1. The one at the end is unfortunate, but yeah, it was needed. Okay, we'll we'll put a link to that. Anything else that you've got? Is there, is there Facebook or is there uh, Instagram? Oh, yes, in, Instagram is at EnglishPlayersAbroad. Okay, we'll uh, we'll link to all of those. Cam, thank you very much for your time. Uh, wish you all the best. Make sure you get a, a decent percentage on that agency <laughs> fee, <laughs> and, uh, and and stay in touch. Be always good to hear um, from you for any future England players that you can see see before us. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, cheers, cheers for having me. I'll uh, make sure you know. Now, as I'm sure you've heard on the news recently, Tuesday the 12th of February saw the passing of arguably one of England's, if not the world's, greatest goalkeepers, Gordon Banks, aged 81. As I like to do is pay my own respects with a short piece. Born on the 30th of December 1937 in Sheffield, he began his professional career at Chesterfield in 1958. Then moved to Leicester City a year later for £7,000. It was here that he made the position his own, making 293 appearances for the Foxes. He was twice a runner-up in the FA Cup, but did win the League Cup in 1964. And in 1967, he joined Stoke City, where he made 194 appearances and again won the League Cup. A car accident, of course well documented, in October 1972 robbed him of the sight in his right eye. Although he did later go on to play, continue to play, in America. But he will be remembered for the part he played in England's 1966 victory. But there was so much more than that. Capped twice by the under-23s in 1961, Alf Ramsey gave him his debut on the 6th of April 1963 against Scotland at Wembley in place of Ron Springett. Gordon went on to win 73 caps for the Three Lions. Of course, 1966 came around where he played every minute of every game. England, sailing through the group stages, defeating Mexico and France and drawing with Uruguay. Banks, keeping a clean sheet in all three games. In fact, it was only the 82nd minute of the semi-final against Portugal that he had to bend down and pick the ball out of the net. He had gone 721 minutes since conceding a goal for England. Of course, beaten twice in the final, not that it mattered. And there are, of course, wonderful pictures of him wearing his yellow jersey holding the trophy aloft with Bobby Moore after the game. Now he will be forever known for that save against Pele in the heat of the Mexico World Cup four years later in 1970. Josino crossing from the right, Pele rising high above Tommy Wright 
and heading powerfully downwards to the bottom right-hand corner. Wikipedia states the following. Pele immediately shouted, Goal! The split-second incident only allowed Banks time for one conscious thought, that the shot was impossible to catch, and the only way to prevent Pele from following up on the rebound would be to parry the ball over the bar. The ball bounced two yards in front of the goal line and Banks managed to make contact with the ball with the fingers of his right hand and rolled his hand slightly to angle the ball over the crossbar. He landed in the inner netting of the goal and knew he had saved the ball after witnessing Pele's reaction. Banks then rose to his feet to defend the corner and broke into laughter after the following exchange. I thought that was a goal said Pele. You and me both, said Banks. You're getting old Banksy. You used to hold on to them, said Bobby Moore. Carlos Alberto. That's dangerous. Giardino. Only left to the standing. Pele! What a save! God Banks! Take that out of the net! And that's the danger for England, split by a quick raid, and that's the save of the World Cup. As I mentioned, his debut came against Scotland in 1963, which England lost. His 73rd and final match was also against the Scots, this time at Hampden on the 27th of May 1972. And this time, England ran out winners, with Banks keeping a clean sheet in a 1-0 win. In his England career, he kept 35 clean sheets and was only on the losing side nine times. Three days earlier, Fred Pickering passed away, aged 78. Not such a household name as Gordon Banks, but a player who represented England nevertheless. A centre-forward who played for Blackburn Rovers, Everton, Birmingham and Blackpool was capped three times by England in 1964, scoring five times. A hat-trick on his debut in a 10-0 win over the USA, then followed that up with goals against Northern Ireland and Belgium. In fact, playing in the same side as Gordon Banks in the game against the Irish. Had he not pulled out of the 1966 squad through injury, perhaps he would have been more of a name on everyone's lips. As Gordon Banks and Fred Pickering, condolences to both families. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Cam Melling for his time. Take a look at EnglishPlayersAbroad.com. I'll be back soon, hopefully with either a preview to our qualifying games, or if I can sort something else out, I'll get that out for you beforehand. Watch this space. If you have any suggestions as to who you'd like to hear from, please feel free to get in touch and I'll do my very best. As before, please do spread the word, like, subscribe and review at your usual podcast download place. You can find us on Twitter at Three Lions Podcast and also search on Facebook. 
We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and also at www.3lionspodcast.com. We'll speak again soon. Cheers. <laughs>